We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Hour Podcast Network. I am your host, Stephen Haglin. We're doing this live for the first time today. Uh, going to preview the uh, Chargers upcoming matchup with the New England Patriots. And joining me to do that today are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you today, man. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. This is very exciting to be doing this live to preview it. I want to hear what you guys have to say. Obviously, you two, but also the people in the comments. What do you guys think <laughs> about this game? The Chargers have not won since 2008 against the Patriots. How do you feel about this? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. The bye week really helped me refresh. And I think I'm starting to find some clarity with this game. And I think I know how it's going to go. Yeah, shout out to our guy, uh, Riley Williams. I had not made that connection that had been since 2008 until I saw his tweet. I was a freshman in high school playing on the junior varsity <laughs> football team when that happened. Um, so a lot of has obviously happened since that point, um, which mm -hmm. is just kind of crazy. Uh, Alex, I don't even want to know how young you were because you're the youngest one on this show. Uh, but how are you doing today, man? Uh, I was nine. Uh, and <laughs> also, also playing junior varsity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Also, junior varsity. Uh, also, W. Bush was president. <laughs> that was oh like my three gosh. presidents ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh. Long time. Oh, it's been a while. But how are you doing, man? Oh no, I'm I'm doing I'm doing really good. Good. Sounds good. So uh if you're watching this, of course, you can see by Alex's name. Uh we do have to start today's show <laughs> with the Chargers change at kicker. Tristan Vescaino is on the practice squad currently, and the Chargers have brought in Dustin Hopkins. Uh I, I talked to a certain beat reporter about this yesterday in an interview that will be posting tomorrow. Um, but I wanted to get your guys' thoughts as well about the Chargers' decision to A, move on from Tristan Viscaino and B, specifically sign Dustin Hopkins. Uh, so, Alex, what is your initial take here about the kicking change? Uh, I just think it had to happen, uh, partially because of the Chargers being thrust into this, you know, sort of contender state uh, as a potential playoff team in the AFC, but also accountability, right? Brandon Staley, you know, prides himself on kind of being the accountability coach. Uh, and if you cut KJ Hill because he's not performing well as a special team specialist, 
to me, you also had to cut Tristan Viscaino. Um, as much as there is, mm -hmm. you know, to say about development and all that, uh, I just, to me, it couldn't be one without the other. Uh, if you were going to move on from the special team special uh, specialist standpoint, so I think it had to happen. And to be honest, like this could have happened two weeks ago after the Browns game, uh, had that Chargers not gotten the ball back in that one, um, and I yeah. wouldn't mm -hmm. have been surprised uh, because then we would have been talking about Tristan Viscaino specifically costing the Chargers a game uh, in that one. So uh, you know, I I'm happy he's on the practice squad. You develop him and maybe see what you have a year from now. Like, you know, there's always the potential you can bring him back for sure. uh, next training camp and have him compete with Hopkins and, you know, see what you want to do there. Um, but yeah, for the time being, I think they needed an experienced kicker, someone who they're not afraid to put out there in the fourth quarter or whatever time in the game it is. Um, and also make it so just from a game standpoint, like they don't have to force themselves to go for it on fourth and eight every time. Like, you know, you can take a field goal if, it, if it's a tie game or if it's, you know, whatever the situation is uh, and have relative confidence that if it's under 50 yards, he can probably hit it. Uh, so I, I think that they just needed experience at the position. And going back to the preseason, it's also true that Viscaino, it, I mean, it's, eerily similar to 2018 when Caleb Sturgis like won the job in the preseason. Uh, right. And, you know, it's sort of the same vibe with Viscaino. They both play six games and then they're both cut for new kickers. Um, so, you know, uh, Badgley, obviously a lot uh, newer at that point in his career to the NFL than uh, Viscaino or than uh, Hopkins, I should say, who's a vet. But uh, yeah, no, it's just kind of like, weird to see this move because tom telesco does not do it that often uh, um but i'm happy it happened yeah no i'm happy it happened to unfortunate for Vizcaino. he did win it outright i guess not by much but he did win the job so he deserved yeah. to be there but the, like the trajectory of the chargers team has changed i think we all thought you know could definitely make the playoffs but you know while i think super bowl is probably still rich they do want to push for that Super Bowl. They are much further along. Four yeah. and two is better than any of us expected. And now they can't wait to, you know, oh, let's see if he develops. And then a few games down the line. Oops, he didn't. Um, but one thing I wanted to get into is um, the whole edge situation, edge pressure situation on kicks or extra points. I think a lot of Chargers Twitter brought that up. It's like, oh, well, you know, they need to, you know, and they do. I think they do need to solve that issue. But I think everyone kind of wanted to find some blame for the for the reasons he was struggling. So I wanted to reach out and I, I asked someone, an expert opinion, um, talked to an NFL kicker who would know something about kicking. And basically, here's what he said regarding the, the edge pressure. It doesn't matter. There could be zero. I'm quoting him. Uh, there could be zero pressure or there could be within inches of blocking it. What happens in front of the ball after it's snapped is not on the radar of the kicker until after the ball has left the foot. I trusted all the guys who blocked for me. So that was never a concern of mine. Watching kicks on TV is different than being in the moment on the field kicking it it may look like there's pressure off the edge or from the middle but oftentimes it's never as close as it looks on tv if that ball crosses the line of scrimmage without a tip then they weren't close enough so while it's possible that the chargers do give up a blocked field goal and by golly they're playing the patriots so there's any game it could be this one <laughs> but that is not really it shouldn't be the reason he was struggling he was just struggling because tristan vice was struggling he's a rookie yeah and hopefully he'll work things out. He is on the practice squad now. They will develop him, and maybe there's their kicker next year. And if he's their kicker next year, you know, I have some confidence in him. I feel like these issues are pretty fixable. So I think he can be fine moving forward. I believe in him coming into the season. 
I'll probably believe in him more next year after some humbling, maybe some time on the practice squad. Uh, I don't know what their plans are for him, but obviously they're going to develop him. So if he sticks around, great. But if not, they have a veteran because these teams playoff bound. And when you play these really good teams in the playoffs, the run defense is a whole different story, but at least get the field goals, get the extra points. So you don't have to worry about giving up 42 points in the run game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you reached out to a, a kicker. I reached out to our friend Al Galdi, who came on the show to help us preview the Washington game in week one about Dustin Hopkins. Because I know that there are some people who are like, oh, like this is barely an upgrade. And it's like, well, you know, Hopkins is a veteran presence. Like he's been there, done that. And, you know, one of the things that Al mentioned is that Hopkins has traditionally started slow and then come on mm. strong. And he mentioned last year, you know, that game at Pittsburgh where they really needed to win that game in order to kind of, you know, uh, go on that upward swing towards the playoffs. And they don't win that game without Hopkins. Hopkins was really clutch in that game, hit a couple of field goals down the stretch in the fourth quarter. And so he was saying that, you know, Washington's decision to cut Hopkins was rather puzzling that, you know, he's been on the team for a really long time. He's outlasted several coaching staffs. They knew who he was. They trusted who he was. And now you have this other kicker who comes in. And in the first game, this other kicker misses an extra point, misses a field goal. So it, it, it was it was not a good scene in, in uh, Washington when they cut Dustin Hopkins. So I'm not saying he's an elite kicker. I'm not expecting him to become Justin Tucker all of a sudden. But he is a stabilizing presence at the position. I would have confidence in him going out in the fourth quarter. Uh, with the game on the line or with the potential to tie a game. And I think that really is the biggest thing is that from Viscano or Badgley, none of us really had that confidence uh, that, you know, those kickers would go out there in crunch time and make the kick. So Dustin Hopkins seems to be an upgrade. And Brandon Staley mentioned as well, we all know how they like how important kickoffs are to them. Uh, Hopkins has a very great, you know, touchback percentage at this point in his career too. I think it's at like 70% for his career. Uh, so they're not really losing anything in the kickoff game either, which I know is important to Coach Staley. I do think it's funny that going back all those months, me and Tyler had that Michael Badgley P.F. Chang's bet. <laughs> um, and not only has Badgley been cut, but the guy who beat him in the competition has been cut. So, you know, that, that bet is like super dead at this point. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think... You know, they just had to kind of do it. And people have talked about like, oh, well, he's missed a couple extra points when it comes to Hopkins. And, you know, what do you do if he misses a couple extra points? Go find another guy. <laughs> like This isn't that hard. You could just keep plugging and chugging until you find somebody <laughs> like, you yeah. know. Well, I, that I, doesn't I, always work. And we know that. <laughs> well, it, I mean, the difference between Tristan Viscaino and Young Way Koo is Young Way Koo is 22, 23 years old. And Tristan Viscaino is, what, 26? Like, I, I, I don't have that much confidence in him developing at this point um at, at least into something else uh but like i don't know like you can just keep finding guys you know the, the problem with what they did with badgley for so long in 2019 and 2020 was that they brought in no competition until this year and that's where he was right so like uh, like craig says in the chat like i want to know what it feels like to not have to watch the extra point <laughs> after the touchdown like that's so true because that's it's been every single season for the chargers with this stuff so um, yeah, yeah I, I just hope that it's fixed. And I, I can't believe it's been 11 kickers in like, what, six years? That's rough. In, in four and a half, dude. Joe Reed said, since, Joe Reed oh, said since 2017, <laughs> since they moved to LA, they've oh. had 11 kickers and Hopkins is the 12th. That's like average of three kickers a year. Yeah. So I, I tried, like I went you know through my head and I was like, okay, 
you know, there was this guy and this guy. So I'm curious your guys' thoughts here. Initially, when you read that stat, how many could you name without looking? I didn't do that exercise. No, I'm not okay. going to do it here do it. under pressure, but I could, <laughs> they said 11. I could probably do nine or maybe probably nine. Although I, I saw that you mentioned um, Kayser as a kicker, right? Yeah. So that technically counts as one. So I would have missed Dallas that. Game. Yeah, I would have missed that, but I saw you mentioned that. So I could probably do probably nine, get an A-ish. Yeah, I think I think I got nine or ten or something like that, but I totally forgot about Nick Rose and the awful Jets game yeah. that he had, yeah. and he was just never heard from again after that. Uh, yes. So that was the one I think I missed. Yeah, I missed Rose and I missed Kayser at first glance because I was like, because I knew that obviously we knew that Ty Long, you know, kicked last year, mm-hmm. and so I was like, okay, I'm missing two more, and I I couldn't for the life of me figure it out. And then I remembered only because of the gif of <laughs> Drew Kayser missing the whole <laughs> net when he was warming up, which I think yeah. is still hilarious. So, um, yeah, regardless, I think, you know, uh, I'm excited to see J- Dustin Hopkins. I'm excited to see Andre Roberts in this one. Uh, you know, if a, either of those two make a, a really impact play, I'm going to be starting a chant for, you know, whoever it is. Like, it's going to happen, you know, standing ovation. And I, I can't wait to make that happen. I will say, absolutely, uh, like what Tyler said, when it comes to like uh, just blocking and uh, you know, I mean, special teams coverage, like they're not off the hook yet, just because you know they fixed right. their kicker and their punt return situation, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with Roberts and and Hopkins. Like to me, those guys need to start playing better because, like Tyler talked about, you know, it only takes a little bit of a lack of discipline in this Patriots team to result in a blocked field goal or something like yeah. that. So to me, you know. I hope this brings special teams from what God, I haven't even looked at the DVOA. I'm too scared to. They're 30 um, seconds. 33rd. <laughs> 30 seconds would make sense. <laughs> that would check out. Um, but, you know, if they can get from like 32nd to 20th, I, I would hope for that. Um, but, you know, that, that would be serviceable. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, to me, also for that to happen, though, they do need their special teams, you know, players to be better rather than only their specialists, which we as fans focus on yeah. a lot more. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good call. The Chargers are, are dead last in kick return average by like a full yard. They're long <laughs> of the season to 24 yards, which is the second worst in the league. Eighth worst punt return average with a long of 10, which is the second worst in the league. If they just oh got their gosh. punt return average up by like a yard, they jump, I think, nine or 10 spots in the rankings. <laughs> just a little bit more from Robertson. And it yeah. would be so much better. So it is going to be a team effort for sure. And hopefully they get it right this game. Yeah, hopefully. And I liked how Roberts yesterday said, like, oh, like, I, I don't really believe in fair catching. I, I want to be aggressive. <laughs> I want to go make a play. And I was like, all right, here we go. We actually have a real punt returner now. So, it, you know, uh, couldn't stand for the life of me when Brandon Staley, you know, went out of his way to mention Cordell Patterson. Uh, but really excited about Andre Roberts for sure. You know, that was that was a, a slap in the face, but that Andre Roberts very you know, frustrating. <laughs> yeah, I saw you tweet that like, oh, you know, I really respect Hall of Fame punt or kick returner Cordero Patterson, who was a free agent that I've known from two different three different I know. colleges <laughs> in the NFL. It's like, dude, <laughs> and KJ Hill and then Roundtree, that was your option. Whatever. Yeah. Pass is the past, I guess. Yeah. So we're gonna move on now and uh get to the specifics of this game. Before we do, have to give a shout out to our sponsor, TickPick, who is the official ticketing partner of the Guilty as Charged podcast. You can use the link in the description below for a $10 discount on your first purchase. I know that there are a bunch of people listening right now that are dying to go to a Chargers game. Maybe you're 
on the East Coast getting ready for the Eagles game next week, or maybe you're uh, going to the Bengals game in Alex's favorite town of Cincinnati. Uh, whether you're going to a game on the East Coast, in the Midwest, or in LA, please use our link to get a $10 discount on your first purchase. That being said, let's dive right into this game with the biggest storylines of the week. I think you know we can talk about a lot of different things here, so I'm curious to see where you guys are going. Tyler, we'll start with you. What is the biggest storyline that you are focused on ahead of this Chargers and Patriots game? Yeah, to me, it's going to be the first down offense. Brandon Staley says they're looking to be more explosive and more aggressive on first down. And then Austin Eckler, who's apparently hurt now with a hip injury, he called out the running backs behind him. He said, hey, does anyone want to step up and be an RB2? So there's a ton of pressure on Lombardi, Herbert, this offense, the running game to get going. And as it pertains to, uh, you know, being more aggressive on first down like they want to be, I've been reviewing and charting the, the first down calls, and they've only thrown a deep pass, mom play action pass on first down six times out of 95 possible plays. And of the 18 play action passes that they have, I'd say only like a third were a deep shot to like a isolated Mike Williams or whatever. Otherwise it was like a slide route to the flat or a tight end kind of delayed screen. So let's just say 12 out of the 95 plays were dialed up deep on first down. That's just not good enough in my opinion. And I get that they're facing a lot of like cover three and this year, this week, they're going to face a lot of cover one, cover three, you know, but when Justin Herbert's your quarterback, I don't know. What are you doing? Like 33 short passes, not counting screens, which there's nothing really wrong with short passes, but they also speak to another issue, which is the run game on first down being terrible because they have to manufacture a a pseudo run efficient play by passing quickly. So, I mean, the run game is bad on the inside. It's bad on the outside on first down. It barely works with Eckler and it doesn't work at all with anybody else. So if they can run more efficiently, maybe they can ease up on that quick passing game try to unlock some of those deep passes i think so hopefully either the run game or the deep passes or something gets figured out this sunday because they want to be more explosive and i'm I'm excited to see how they do that because so far they're very bad on first down yeah i do think it was kind of funny that brandon staley was like hey i also liked another slow running back that the patriots got (laughs) in the draft after i drafted a slow running back who's averaging two and a half yards per carry um but no i think that um yeah, the matchup for me to watch in this game, or not a matchup, but the storyline is to me, Belichick versus Staley. Uh, I mean, that that's yeah, kind yeah. of the obvious place to go to. But, you know, we talked about sort of, uh, I guess there's been a discussion about uh, Belichick being more conservative on fourth down. Uh, mm-hmm. That's kind of been a storyline throughout the season. He's actually been like the most conservative coach in the league in that regard. Uh, Staley, yeah. obviously, having been the most aggressive coach in the league in that regard. So I would be curious to see if there are instances in this game where, uh, the two of them will sort of force the other one to adapt, right? And so you could sort of see mm-hmm. Belichick going for it more on fourth down because he's playing, you know, this kind of like Brandon Staley-led uh, team uh, in that regard. Or you could, you know, we, there's always the classic Belichick, hey, I'm going to take this one thing away from you, try to beat me some other way, right? Uh, whether mm-hmm. that's, you know, maybe shutting Keenan Allen down for the game, you know, maybe shutting uh, Austin Eckler out, whatever it might be. Uh, and then I'll say, beat me some other way, right? Uh, so I, I think that that's kind of the chess match if there is to watch in this game. So I'm most curious to see how sort of the different styles between sort of like gritty old school, but efficient coaching versus the kind of new school analytic, uh, you know, based coaching. I'm, I'm curious to see how that sort of, uh, you know, plays out in this one. Yeah, we've had a lot of interesting coaching matchups. And I think this is obviously 
one for Staley to, you know, really kind of show what he is against one of the best coaches, you know, in football history, uh, if not the best. So, you know, we've seen him go up against some some great coaches so far, and this is a big test for him. I think for me, one of the things that I'm focusing in on this week, and I've mentioned them before, um, it, it's the Chargers pass rush because I think this is a really interesting opportunity for them. You know, a team that's dealing with a couple injuries up front. Um, you know, Trent Brown is not playing in this game. He's on injury reserve. So they're moving Michael and Weno to right tackle. He's been very solid. But I'm curious about it because Mac Jones is not like an escapable athlete. Like he's not somebody that's going to get out of the pocket and, you know, stretch their uh, or put some stress on them, like Brandon Staley was saying the other day, as as some of the other mobile quarterbacks have done. So, you know, when I watched the film of the Chiefs game, Uchenna Nwosu was like pretty clearly cage rushing and not getting after the quarterback as much as he was trying to keep Mahomes inside the pocket. So we've seen Mahomes, we've seen uh, Nwosu rather play okay to this point. We've seen Kyler Fackrell every now and then make a couple plays. Joey Bosa is getting triple teamed out here on a weekly basis at this point. And so somebody else on this team has to put some stress on the Patriots offensive line because it was pretty bad last week. I know that Nwosu got the one sack and I know Linbaugh got his sack, but somebody has to take advantage of their one-on-one matchups and keep double teams away from Joey Bosa, especially in this one where you have a rookie quarterback, where you have Mac Jones who's been playing well, but under pressure, you know, he gets significantly worse because he's not mobile. He can't make those plays out of the pocket. So I think you've got to see the Chargers pass rush get after Mac Jones and make him live in second and long, third and long situations uh, and get ahead of the sticks that way. We've seen Brandon Staley blitz a little bit more each week. You're getting Drew Tranquil back in this one, potentially, hopefully. Uh, So maybe we see him kind of use that aspect of the defense as well. Um, So the Chargers pass rush to me is the biggest storyline of the week because I think you've got a really good chance to make a rookie quarterback, uh, you know, feel stressed in the pocket and put some pressure on him that way. Yeah, I'm curious overall how the the pass rush looks from either side, whether it's from the Patriots, from the Chargers. I watched Arjun's videos, analytics video, and he talked about how the Patriots ran some ridiculous amount of stunts when they played Herbert last time. And I believe their pass rush win rate was like 80 something percent <laughs> that day awful. on those stunts. It was like, that's how is that even a number? That means you're basically winning every single time almost. But they did. And we saw the result of that. The, the results were terrible. So yeah, hopefully Drew Tranquil is back. I believe the only sack Bosa had against the Ravens was with White blitzing behind him, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so someone like, again, like White or Tranquil, or if Campbell's getting more run now these days, have him blitz. Some sort of manufactured pressure that way, I think, would be great for this team. Yeah, I think it would be great for the non-Joey Bosa defensive linemen to prove that they have a pulse. Um, I think that that's <laughs> a real key coming into this game. Um, because I haven't seen Uchenna and Wosu and Kyler Fackrell and all those guys really do all that much in the last few games. And to be honest, Jerry Tillery is... what I don't... <laughs> I mean, oof, hey, Brandon Staley said that he's a factor. Oh, he's a factor. I did, <laughs> I did think it was funny. Not to spoil who Steven has the interview with tomorrow, but the person in said interview was like, oh, you know, Jerry Tillery ranks, you know, 72nd in pass rush efficiency. So he's a factor. I was like, okay, I think we have very different definitions of what factors are, but okay. Zero. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, no. So 
like you know justin jones is coming back which is going to be great in this one i think the defensive line needs that is both he from, i mean seems like I, he is yeah it seems like he is he hasn't been seems like he's yeah. trending that way yeah. yeah it's hearsay until he's activated sorry i, I jumped the gun I'm, <laughs> I'm so excited to get him back that i jumped um, i don't blame you but if justin jones is back I do think that's really helpful for the defense and that sort of opens up other things on the defensive line um, because, you know, I mean, they really need the pass rush help in particular. Uh, Obviously the run defense is one thing, but you know, in this game, I think you have to get after Mac Jones more so than anything else, cause him to feel some discomfort because he has been playing so well recently uh, when the Patriots have protected him. So uh, to me, they're going to need someone, at least one of those pass rushers uh, that are kind of the supplementary pieces to have a game in this one. Yeah, I uh, I tweeted out that statistic yesterday about the run stop percentage of the three of the main three ones. If you don't put any qualifiers on Pro Football Focuses and sort it to run stop percentage, Justin Jones is like third in the league at twenty percent, which is unreal. But he's only had five uh, five snaps <laughs> against the run to do it in. <laughs> So if you, if you don't put any filters, you'll see Justin Jones up there really high on the list, which is fun. Um, but yeah, let's let's get into the injury report right now, which I think, um, you know, obviously we got a little bit of a uh, stressful notification that Austin Eckler was uh, not practicing today with a hip injury, even though yesterday he said that he has felt better than he has at any point in the season so far uh, after the bye week. So um alex do you think there's any danger that austin eckler uh is not going to play this week or is this just the same that we've seen uh just being precautionary with your guys no this is very concerning um a dnp on a thursday after we find out a hip injury that we didn't previously know exist uh, existed exists like that, that's yeah. that's something that's going to be interesting to watch um and also it's just particularly the situation regarding the depth behind him uh, you know, Stephen mentioned it earlier in the show with Austin Eckler being like, hey, can you guys find someone to play RB2? <laughs> and on the same week, he's added to the injury report, unfortunately. Um, and so to me, they, you know, I mean, he has to play. Like, they, they need him in this game, honestly. I'm not going to say that they, like, need him to win, but, like, it honestly is that dire, I mean, for him to play in that regard because – uh, you know, the uh, the backs they have out of the backfield right now, other than Justin Jackson, and he's been so-so this season, they don't have much receiving value out of the backfield at all. And Justin Jackson has proven, unfortunately, that he can't really stay healthy. And the other two running backs have alternated healthy scratches. So <laughs> this, this is really concerning. Like, they need Austin Eckler, both for speed, I mean, the utility he provides, and just uh, the attention he draws <clears throat> uh, from the defense, like, to me... Like, this is honestly, like, a game-swinging pick. Like, I am expecting to pick the Chargers to win, but if they told me Austin Eckler was out tomorrow, like, I I might go back on that. (laughs) I 100% agree. If Austin Eckler is out, they're first on EPA, and everything they do is going to be terrible. I don't think any of the the first-on runs that any of the other backs had, I don't think any of them went for over three yards. It is really bad. Like, it's, it's it's just not good. And... You know, Kelly has, I think, zero targets this year, and Roundtree has, like, two. And so, I mean, it, not only do you lose him, uh, Eckler, the runner, but you lose him as the receiver. And we talk about, you know, they yeah. got to get someone with, who can help in the receiving game. Now you have just a bunch of Kalen Balazs of Eckler's out, like, who are technically probably worse than Kalen Balazs at this point in terms of <laughs> their numbers and efficiency. I'm sure they can be better, but as of right now, they're not that good. 
And so if he's out, like Alex said, I'm swinging the pick the other way. They really need him to be on the field. If he's not on the field, I really don't feel good about this game. Yeah, and that just makes things so much easier for the Patriots because, you know, now you can double team. You can probably, you know, feasibly double team Keenan and Mike Williams and essentially force Justin Herbert to use the tight ends to beat him because we haven't seen much from Jalen Guyton. We haven't seen much from Josh Palmer. Uh, Apparently, J.C. Jackson said something. Okay, he doesn't see much of a challenge from the Chargers offense. All right. He's given up 401 yards this year <laughs> as a corner, so I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, JC's one of those guys that really likes to talk. So, you know, I'm I'm not super worried, but you know, I am worried about Austin Eckler because, you know, he said yesterday that he's never felt better and then he didn't practice today with a hip injury. So, uh, I'm not super confident in him playing. I wish he wouldn't have said that yesterday because that <laughs> just is like, okay, well, like what's going on here then? You know, so if he doesn't play, you know, that is going to be a tough one because I I liked Larry Roundtree a lot coming in this draft. I like Joshua Kelly last draft. Haven't seen much of anything from them really since, you know, Joshua Kelly's performance in Cincinnati. Um, and Justin Jackson has been <laughs> my dud like twice and he barely plays. So uh, it is not a good situation. I generally am anti-trade for a running back. But at this point, if Austin Eckler doesn't play this week, I think they probably kind of have to well if so if he doesn't play trade for a running back if he if he misses time i mean not if he just doesn't play oh, okay. this week if he's like gonna miss a few weeks like I, I call the colts immediately and get marlon mack out here as soon as possible yeah yeah there's something to that i i don't know if the opponents warrant a, well we'll see how much time he's out for if anything i i think he'll be okay but i don't know not feeling good about it it's either out something or nothing with this group. It's either you yeah. cramp or a back thing and you're out for 62 games or you're fine. It's just a rest day. So hopefully it's just a rest yeah. thing. No problem. Maybe it was just like he had to go see a chiropractor, like a dentist appointment <laughs> thing that we've seen this week. <laughs> Maybe it's nothing. Keenan Allen yeah. missing for a dentist appointment was funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I hope it's the case that this is just, uh, you know, I obviously hope he plays, but if he doesn't play, I hope it's a one week thing and that this doesn't get dragged out because they're, I mean, in serious trouble offensively if it, if it does happen. Like, he's just such a huge yeah. part of their offense uh, and all that. And, like, man, you know, I'm <laughs> thinking about that Mark Ingram to the Saints straight now. Like, you know, if I kind of knew Austin Eckler was going to be out and I knew Roundtree and all those guys weren't going to be good, I might swing that. But, you know, it's in the past now. Yeah. There are still some other options out there if they want to make that move. But um, this is definitely, you know, a, a very important issue to keep an eye on. Other than that, um, I know some people have been asking. So Justin Jones is not listed on the injury report because he still has not been activated. Uh, if he had been activated, then he would be on there. But uh, like we said, it seems like he's trending towards playing. Drew Tranquil has been limited. So I think that there's a chance that he plays. But until he gets in a full practice, I, you know, I'm not going to completely say that he is playing. Uh, so mm-hmm. if he's not able to go this week, then we'll see another week of Eamon Ogbog-Bamiga and Nick Neiman. Um, hopefully more Neiman than Nogbogwamiga, but Kaiser White looks to be uh, the healthy one there. And then uh, Nasir Adderley has been a full participant twice this week. So that is really good news. They really missed him mm-hmm. last week, um, which I guess is a, a good time to talk about the secondary because Ronaldo Hill, yeah. defensive coordinator for the Chargers, of course, uh, has continued to say that Tavon Campbell has earned a role and will continue to rotate with Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. 
not the worst member of the Chargers secondary, Chris Harris, but it is what it is. Um, you know, Tavon Campbell is going to be a factor going forward. And I can't say I don't understand why they're doing that. He has played pretty well. I just wish it would come at the expense of a different player because to me, Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. have also been playing really, really well. And so I, I understand getting Campbell more reps. I don't understand it coming at the expense of your CB1 by both by ability and by financial commitment and the corner that you took in the second round this year, who's been playing really well himself. So uh, Alex, what do you make of the uh, rotation? Shall we say? Um, It's stupid. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. Uh, you know, now the thing, you know, people know I'm a Sixers fan. So doc rivers is my basketball coach. So I'm used to questionable rotations. Uh, but you know, when it comes to uh, this situation, like why you don't rotate corners like this, this shouldn't be a thing. Like, I don't know why this is a thing. Um, Michael Davis has to be out there. He's your number one quarterback. And, you know, we've talked about this to death over the last three weeks or so <laughs> of, of them, like benching guys and all that. Um, you know, the, the move to make here is bench Chris Harris if you want. Like, yeah. I'm fine with that. Put Tevon Campbell on the field in place of Chris Harris. Like, that I'm totally fine with because Chris Harris has been, frankly, playing poorly as it is. Um, and, you know, also been kind of dealing with his own injury situations. So if you want to do that, I'm fine. But, like, why are we just, like, weirdly rotating CB1 and CB2? Like, those should be the two things that don't change. <laughs> Michael yeah. Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. should be playing 100% of the snaps. Like, or a 95%, whatever it is. Like, they should just not be off the field. Like, this is just a weird decision. I get that they're sort of trying to be a flexible defense. And it's like, okay, well, they've played some running teams. And Michael Davis isn't great against the run. But it's like, from what I've seen this season, like, has Tavon Campbell and Chris Harris been dramatically better against the run? Like, to the point where we just go, oh, Michael Davis, you're off the field. Like, no, of course not. And Michael Davis has become a better tackler in the last two or three years than he was previously absolutely so um you know like i i just i don't get this move like you don't rotate and and bench guys like this in the cornerback unit it's really weird well that's the thing and, and the way they, they phrase it is we're going to rotate guys but it's not really like a rotation it's like davis or samuel jr start the game and then they just don't play in the second half it's like that's not really a rotation as much as you kind of just benched one of those two guys yeah Getting Campbell on the field, I get. That's no problem. I have no problem with that. That's understandable. I think he's played well, and he deserves some more snaps. But it's so weird for, for Chris Harris Jr. to come back so soon. It apparently was what, like a six-week sort of timetable injury, and he came back in three weeks. It's so interesting that they got him to rush back only to take somebody else off the field. Like, if he's injured and you want to play Campbell right. more, why not let him just kind of chill, get to full health, and then, you know, let Campbell take the snaps. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If he plays well, you know, you do something else. You make a change or whatever. But instead, they, they rushed him back. And I haven't watched him, so I'm not going to say that I know this. But it sounds like he hasn't been playing well. Like Chris Harris Jr. hasn't been playing well. Maybe it's because of the injury. Maybe it's because there's something still lingering. This is kind of the week to show us that you're back to health and that you're out there for a reason that the, Char the Chargers coaching staff is correct for having you out there. But uh, this, whole, this whole situation is just weird. It's not really a rotation. And to be completely honest, this is the those three guys, not Chris Harris Jr., those are your three guys moving forward into the next year. You have two definitely under contract. 
One's a restricted free agent, so you, you're pretty much going to bring him back, especially with the way the coaching staff likes Campbell. So let yeah. those guys have some run. Like I get, you know, you're probably loyal to Chris Harris Jr. He probably understands more of the defense than those three guys. But if it's not working out, it's not working out. And so hopefully, it's not at the their their decisions here isn't at the expense of the defense. I don't know what they're going to do. We're about to find out. Hopefully, Harris Jr. is healthy and proves us all wrong. But I just don't understand switching out someone like Davis and Samuel Jr., not just for a rotation, but a legitimate benching. I just don't get it. Yeah, I don't understand it either. And, and Chris Harris, he's not playing well, like, at all. And, you know, they're, they're playing him more at safety this year. And so maybe he's not comfortable back there. But there are communication issues with him. There are tackling issues. There are angle issues. There are coverage issues. Like, he is not getting the job done to the point where I would rather see Elohi Gilman playing safety as the third safety instead of rotating Chris Harris back there. So, to me, like, if, you know, they play a decent amount of dime, and to me, Chris Harris is not one of the six best defensive backs on this team. And so that is my biggest issue about it is that, you know, somebody, you know, kind of jokingly said it earlier in the chat that it seemed like they were playing better without him. That's because they were. You know, the best mm -hmm. defensive back game that we've seen, in my opinion, was against the Chiefs. And that was when you had Tavon Campbell and Alohi Gilman rotating in as the fifth and sixth defensive backs. So mm -hmm. to me, like, that's that's the rotation that should be. You know, if you want Tavon Campbell on the field more, great. Put him in the slot as the fifth corner. Put him in the slot as the sixth defensive back, whatever you want to do. But you're, you shouldn't be taking out your cornerback one on any occasion unless he is injured. Like if Michael Davis is healthy, he needs to be on the field for 100% of snaps because that's just the way football works. Like you're not, you're not getting better players on the field when you take your best corner off. So it, it's confusing to me. And Tavon Campbell's playing well, and I get that, but rotate him in with the worst players on your team, not with the bed with the better parts of your secondary. Um, right. So, I, I, I just Alex. yeah, I just wanted to bring up one more point. Like we talked about sort of like the accountability thing with Brandon Staley and this defense, you know. So going back to that Browns game, why was Asante Samuel Jr. benched for the miscommunication with Harris that led to the Richard Higgins touchdown? Right. But Chris right. Harris wasn't benched, right? Like it's stuff like that that you know kind of gets into that territory. Obviously, you, you can't bench your whole defense, but like you know, it's right. just been inconsistent in how they've handled uh, that kind of stuff, which you know we've seen consistently this week how they've handled special teams and how they're trying to go about that. But the defensive decisions when it comes to uh, accountability of a player or just player skill set in general just seem weird. Yeah. So we'll move on now to hopefully some more positive things. Um, had to little rant a little bit about that because I know the three of us are messaging and we we're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is so annoying. Um, so let's focus in on the key matchups and X factors. And I think I'll start this one off for me. The key matchup of the day is whoever is going against Keenan Allen. I think, mm -hmm. you know, Jonathan Jones was the main slot corner for the Patriots defense, and he was playing like 80% of his snaps in the slot. He's on injured reserve. He's not going to play. And we had seen other players kind of rotate in there. Adrian Phillips, uh, my guy, he kind of rotated in there. Kyle Duggar rotates in there. Uh, Jalen Mills rotates in there. And Jalen Mills took a good amount of snaps in there as well. But the guy that they have rotating in, I, I should have written his name down. I'm blanking right now. Um, but he is an undrafted free agent who they had last year. He essentially has become their main slot corner. Um, and I'm trying to get his name up really quickly. Williams, Bethel, or Bryant? Bryant, Miles Bryant. Thank you. 
So Miles mm-hmm. Bryant is the main slot corner for them. At least that's what it seems to be. And so Keenan Allen, to me, like this is this is a mismatch re- regardless of who he's playing in the slot. So this, to me, is the key point of like Bill Belichick's game plan, right? Is how is he going to guard Keenan Allen? Is he going to mm-hmm. double team him? Is he going to put Adrian Phillips on him? Is he going to put Mills, Duggar? Who is it going to be? Are they going to put JC Jackson on the inside and keep Mills and, and Miles Bryant on the outside? So Keenan Allen, I think, rightfully, you know, has, you know, not been, not rightfully, but he was not used enough against the Ravens. And he, it's been kind of a weird usage thing. And I think they need to get him more involved in this one if they're going to win, particularly if they have Mills or Bryant on him. So uh, this is a key thing to me, how Bill how Bill Belichick goes uh, about defending Keenan Allen uh, is one thing that I'll be focusing in on. Yeah, you completely read my mind on that one. I was going to go with Keenan Allen as well. And I will, because that's all I prepared for. I thought you were <laughs> going to go with the offensive line. So, you know, to me, the Chargers, and they've, sh- they've shown this in that all-in, they have Allen do a ton of dirty work in the run game or as a decoy. Yeah. He'll run an out route to free up Eckler on an angle route out of the backfield or a slant to free up Palmer on a hitch or whatever. But it's time to get the dude the ball, especially when the secondary is vulnerable. They sort of responded well versus Baltimore too little too late, but they had Allen motion kind of move pre-snap and it worked plenty well enough, but he's a top receiver. There's a reason they go to him on fourth down more than anyone, Uh, you know, find that connection, you know, but then again, you know, Baltimore did everything they could to take him away. So will the Patriots? So yeah, that to me, I agree with you. This is the matchup that I'm most excited for. Yeah, uh, I, I think you know you mentioned Keenan Allen and just uh, whoever's covering Keenan Allen, and that's the matchup. Uh, I'm gonna raise you that and say, go after Jalen Mills repeatedly, <laughs> um, because from experience, I've seen from experience <laughs> when he was at the Eagles. But um, you know, he, he was sort of like, I mean. A, a, okay safety with the Eagles like he had his moments where he was bad in coverage but they've tried converting him obviously to the outside corner he's played a little bit of slot corner this season um and it hasn't been going well uh because he got kind of blown up uh in his last three games for uh 41 58 and 82 yards Mm -hmm. uh respectively so cd lamb cd lamb gave him the work cd lamb did give him that work uh and also has a missed tackle rate of 15.4 percent uh, on the season, which, you know, just kind of means like, hey, if you throw it to Keenan Allen and he makes Jalen Mills miss, like that can be a big play, right? Uh, so to me, I think you've got to kind of go at him repeatedly on the boundary, especially because I don't know what they're going to do with Keenan Allen. But like if you ever, I mean, God willing, have a rep with Mike Williams on Jalen Mills, you just, <laughs> you, have to, you just have to do it. I don't care mm-hmm. what Herbert's other processing thing is. Like they have to install a chip in his brain that just says Mills, Williams do it like hundred percent of the time. Um, So yeah. And also in those uh, last three games I mentioned, he's given up passer ratings of 115, 125.6 and 146.9. So it has not been pretty for Jalen Mills. So if we're talking about a key matchup, you have to go after him uh, repeatedly because I think there is some unease right now with the Patriots and specifically how they're using Mills in this sort of outside corner role that's new to him. Yeah. Tyler, Love you have something? Yeah, I mean, they're using him in an outside corner role. Mike Williams is healthy. I, you know, I also want to see Mike Williams, like other than Keenan Allen, of course. Yeah. Mike Williams, I think he has like 39 yards per game the last three times he played the Patriots. Like, 
this is the year you want to show that you can take over and be that sort of number one. Like you want to get paid like one. If Keenan Allen's being doubled, go out there and kill Jalen Mills. So that would be a good game for him to, to finally show up against the Patriots. I know it's kind of harsh because the offense typically hasn't with Rivers or with Herbert, but like this would be a really good time to show up. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a big spot for both of them because I think, you know, there was just some weird connection issues with the two of them and Justin Herbert last week or two mm-hmm. weeks ago against the Ravens. So in a non uh, Keenan Allen thing, I- I'm really interested in how this uh, Chargers defense goes about guarding Hunter Henry because Mac Jones started out pretty slowly to start the season of course he's a rookie that's to be expected but they started to figure out that hey like we have hunter henry like we're gonna target him he's gonna be mac jones's security blanket and Mm -hmm. once they started using hunter henry more the offense started getting better he's got four touchdowns in the last four games and we saw we've seen this team kind of struggle a little bit with mark andrews they struggled a little bit with kate with uh travis kelsey played really well against darren waller so what defense kind of shows up against Hunter Henry? Are you going to see Derwin James against him one-on-one? If so, I like that matchup quite a bit. But are you going to see, <laughs> like, if, if Drew Trangle doesn't play and Eamon Ogbogmamiga or Nick Neiman are in coverage against Hunter Henry, that's going to be a tough matchup. So I'm interested to see how they go about guarding Hunter Henry, who's second on their team in receiving in pretty much every category uh, except mm. for yards. So um that is that is an interesting one of course there's going to be that revenge game narrative too so mm-hmm. uh that's uh that's a that's gonna be a fun one on sunday i love that the patriots signed two expensive tight ends i think they're like one of the lowest ball <laughs> personnel like running teams in the league yeah. and, oh yeah we should throw to hunter henry like what, what would you expect <laughs> what did you guys get these guys for um but like you said talking about what kind of defense will they throw at them michael davis is the guy that covers tight ends and if you're going to rotate him out and good luck i mean it didn't work yeah. against andrews obviously worked pretty well against kelsey and waller didn't work against uh andrews because he was out he was out of the game so hopefully they can at least get him in there and, and cover hunter henry although that's a much less daunting task yeah um hunter henry revenge game is weird because i didn't want him back for 13 million dollars <laughs> so he can he can take his revenge if he would like to <laughs> Yeah, I was uh, listening to the Chargers uh, podcast network today and Matt Money Smith and Chris Harry were talking about Hunter Henry. And apparently people within the building of the Chargers were shocked at how much money the Patriots were offering Hunter Henry. Uh, And so they were basically saying that once they heard how much the Patriots offered, they were not they were not going to match that offer. So, well, I mean, that goes back to the. That goes back to the pandemic because I think before the pandemic happened, they actually had negotiations with him and then pandemic happened and broke off yeah. and, you know, everything kind of went from there with the salary cap and everything. So um, this weird alternate history of, you know, what might have been, but uh, I am comfortable with the tight end group that they have now that's significantly yeah. cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think Parham and Cook give you essentially what what Hunter Henry did in terms of production. You know, they give you a little bit more athleticism. And it's been fun to watch. I think they you know, have a really solid tight end room right now. And, and Brandon said he talked about that yesterday. Um, okay, Alex, who is your X factor of this game? Um, I think the X factor... Uh, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I think the X factor has to be Jerry Tillery. Like, I mean, I think he has to, uh, like, come up big in this one. You know, we talked yeah. about his struggles against the run uh, and against the pass. But, like, the Chargers 
need another supplementary pass rusher. Like you kind of know what you're going to get from Linval Joseph at this point. You know what you're going to get from Joey Bosa. You know what you're going to get from Justin Jones if he does uh, indeed play in this one. Uh, and, and Wosu and Fackrell have been fine. But like the big variable that's kind of jumped up and down, more down recently from week to week has been Tillery. Um, you know, we saw what he did against the Chiefs which was kind of an awesome game from him. But ever since then, it's kind of just been like, I haven't noticed him in the game unless I'm watching all 22, which which is a problem if you drafted a pass rusher in the first round. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's really got to get involved and be better on run defense. You know, whether that's what Staley was talking about this week with guys, you know, using technique better, which kind of just sounds like a polite way of saying these guys suck ass, but nice. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, whether it's that or, you know, something they can change scheme wise uh, in the defense. Like, I just think this has to be the week that he gets involved, uh, particularly because they are playing this running team and because they have this rookie quarterback uh, that has been rattled by pressure when pressure has gotten there. Um, so, you know, like both of those things should be an emphasis this week at the Chargers are going to win this game on defense. And he's the one variable that if he has a good game, like I can quickly turn into something special for the Chargers. If he has a bad game, it'll be really noticeable for the Chargers too. Yeah, that's a good call there. I mean, even against the Raiders, I think that was maybe arguably one of his better games. Even if the numbers weren't there, you see some of the things he was able to do. And of course, the Chargers did a great job stopping the Raiders in that game. It, he showed up, the defensive line showed up because, well, partially because he played so well. Uh, my X Factor is going to be Chris Rumpf, the person that the internet thinks that I hate, um, but I don't. <laughs> they really haven't moved him at all. And he's been outside the tackle in all 55 of his snaps. But at Duke, you see, now he's a different body type, it seems like these days. He went from kind of a little more slender and twitchy to now he's just kind of a bigger edge rusher. But at Duke, you saw him you know, play you know, some really great reps against guards, beating guards, rushing the passer. Like we just mentioned, Joey Bose's only sack against Baltimore came with Kaiser White blitzing um, on his side. So if, if Tranquil is hurt or limited, I'd love to see them try to manufacture pressure a different way. We've seen them kind of change things up, whether it's blitzing a DB or a linebacker or moving Bose at a three-tech or whatever. You know, I love, But I'd love to see Rumpf do it in a different way. Get him on the field and see what works because... As an edge rusher right now, Rumpf isn't really cutting it. His win rate is mid-tier among rookies, but his productivity is the second worst with like a Quincy Rocher, I believe. So try something different to get a Mac Jones, something something that he doesn't expect, something that they don't expect to be thrown at them. Yeah, I think that's a really good call, and I, I would love to see that happen for him and for the team because they. I've been, I don't want to say like disappointed, but the way that they are not really simulating pressure has been kind of surprising because mm -hmm. that was something that really they did a great job of with the Rams last year. Um, mm. So I really want to see them get after it this weekend. If that's Chris Rump, then, then fantastic. Um, the X factor in this game to me, uh, this is where I'm going to talk about the offensive line tire. And this is okay. Corey Lindsay. Right. This to me is a game mm. like where this is why you pay Corey Lindsley as opposed mm -hmm. to bringing back Dan Feeney or, or rolling with somebody else or drafting somebody. This to me is a game where you bring in Corey Lindsley because he is so smart at the center position. He can really help take uh, a lot of the pressure off of Justin Herbert mentally because he can set all the protections himself. Communication has been for the most part, very, very good. But last week against the Ravens, we saw the Ravens throw a lot of cover zero at this team and they did not handle it very well. And part of that is Corey Lindsley. Part of that is Justin Herbert. Part of that is Joe Lombardi. So I think Corey Lindsley needs to do 
you know, do what he does best in this game and communicate, handle pressures, uh, pass off stunts. And, and I think this is a game, like I said, this is why you pay Corey Lindsley because last year the Patriots really didn't do a whole lot of blitzing. They just did a lot of stunting, a lot of games. And Dan Feeney and the young interior offensive line could just could not handle it. So this is a big game for Corey Lindsley. And this is one that I had my eye on for a really long time because of him. And so I think we see his effect on this game uh, based off of how they handle these stunts that the Patriots are going to do, handle the simulated pressures and the actual pressures. So to me, this is a big week for Corey Lindsley specifically and the rest of the offensive line as well. That's a good call that I didn't even think about that. I mean, Dan Feeney and the way that they struggled versus hopefully how they succeeded against or with Corey Lindsley. It should be night and day. So yeah, I'll actually be paying attention to that and I believe he'll do the offensive line breakdown. So we'll be able to see yeah. whether they were able to adjust or work or not. Yeah. Last year, yeah. when you look at this game, sorry, Alex, uh, Lawrence guy right now, I think he has like three pressures against the chargers last year. He had like seven pressures and two sacks. It was ridiculously stupid how uh... simple and annoying that game plan was for them, but it was just like, it worked and the chargers mm-hmm. had no answer for it. So uh, Corey Lindsay, I, I'm fairly confident will be better than Tan Feeney in this one. <laughs> it was it was just funny because I was watching uh, Arjun's analytics video this week, which if you haven't watched it, go check it out. But he was just rattling off the names and was like, "Oh, it's Storm Norton and Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney in this in this last year's game." And I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, that feels like ancient history." And somehow it was only a year ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and this one, this the game last year, like we we don't really talk about it a whole lot, but this is when Sam Tebby had his baby. And so we had Storm yeah. Norton and Trey Pipkins were the two starting tackles for this <laughs> team last year. So obviously Storm started again, but you know we gave Rashawn Slater at left tackle instead. So not bad, bit of, bit of an upgrade. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to our bolt predictions. We do this every single week. It's been a lot of fun to do this segment. Um, Alex, we'll start with you. What's your uh, bold bolt prediction this week? Uh, bolt prediction this week. Gonna take a second to think about it because I forgot we were doing bolt predictions. I guess we hadn't done <laughs> I the show in two want. weeks. Uh, Tyler, you go first. Yeah. Okay. I mean this as seriously as possible. My bolt prediction is that the Chargers will have a kick return that gets past the twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> I'll follow up on that. Hopkins goes perfect from field goals and extra points this game. It's right, gonna so be cool. great. There we go. <laughs> Look how excited we get about average special teams play. <laughs> imagine if we ever got to see great special teams from the Chargers. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if he converts an extra point? <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Um, so my bull prediction here, we saw uh, Justin Herbert really struggle against the Baltimore Ravens. It was uh, mm-hmm. a rough week for number 10 and i think the bye week i think you know the the adjustments that the coaching staff will make on early downs i hope uh is going to lead justin herbert to have a stellar day against the patriots i think he goes over 300 yards passing and over three touchdowns passing so i think we i think we see about 350 and four from justin herbert this week can't wait to watch it I like it. That would that would be a huge step in the right direction for the entire organization. Envy Talent is predicting two pick sixes. I hope by the Chargers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I hope Davis gets a pick six, so he's not benched. 
One of the interesting things that I saw in this game, though, is that all six of Mac Jones's interceptions have come when he's working the middle of the field. So, huh. Sakaiser might get two picks last week. Uh, we haven't seen Nasir Adderley get a pick. Maybe this is a, a an Adderley week as well. I like it. I hope you heard otherwise. <laughs> Shout out to Envy, man. Envy is, an, is a great uh, friend of the show. So we're going to do our league-wide picks, and then we're going to wrap it up with our own predictions. After that, we'll take a, a little bit of time to take some questions. Uh, so if you have a question for us, now is the time to answer it. I think it's – whose turn is it to go first this week? I think it's me. Wait, no. Ty- Tyler, you went first last week. No, I went first last week. I went week. last last Wait. week. I went first last week. I know that. All right, Tyler, you go Pretty first. Sure I'm not going week. through the mental okay. gymnastics of remembering so Tyler, this. So, Tyler, you go first. I'll do the then, gymnastics for us. Tyler, you go first, and then Alex, and then me. But, Alex, uh, update us on the standings first. Yeah. Um, fortunately, the Eagles, I, I hate them. They're the worst team in the world. <laughs> uh, they cost me a perfect week. Uh, and so now <laughs> I've dropped a game to Tyler. Tyler is in first place at 17 and four. I am at 16 and five. Steven is at uh, 10 and 11. Yeah, 10 and 11, yeah. I think. Yeah, he went two and one last week. Uh, cl- close to 500. He's he's getting close his way back in the game. Uh, but yeah, so that is how the standings, which are brought to you by expressvpn.com slash guilty, shake out there this week. All right, nice. Tyler, Thank you, ExpressVPN, for bringing us these picks. Um, all right, cool. I get to go first. So I'm going to take the Bengals over the hapless Jets. I don't know who the Jets are starting at quarterback, but it should be very interesting. Um, then I will take for my upset the Lions over the Eagles. I wow, I picked the Lions before, um, uh, but the Lions are due, man. They're due. I, I think I Darius Butler them. also picked them to I think Darius <laughs> Butler has been right about like two of other teams' first wins, and he picked the Lions to beat the Eagles this one. So I'm going with that one as an upset. And then the other one I'll pick for my straight-up win. Uh, let's go with the Rams over the Texans. Really going for some out-there uh, picks so far. Shout-out to Darius Butler, friend of the show. Um, yeah. All right, Alex, go ahead, man. Yeah. Mm, great that Tyler's going 3-0 again this week. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Hey, you never know about the Lions, man. No, they're winning. You really the Eagles fucking suck. Yes. Um, <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'm going to go uh, bold here. Bills over Dolphins. Yeah, that's a really bold one to me. Uh, other than that, <laughs> uh, okay, I'm still just going through these games. Uh, I'll go Seahawks over Jags. That's that's sort of a bold one because the Seahawks have been playing really that's, stinky. Yeah. But- <laughs> I don't think Urban Meyer is going to get the win going all the way to uh, Seattle and with the 12s. I don't think he's yeah. going to do that. So I'll take, I'll roll the dice on Geno Smith again, which I know Steven has experience with. Um, so yeah, I'll take the bills. I will take the Seahawks this week. Uh, and for my upset pick of the week, not a lot of great upset picks. Um, oh, Actually, this is a great upset pick. Uh, the Colts are favored by one and a half over the Titans. So I will pick the Titans over the Colts. Uh, I think it's the other way around. No, I was going to say the, the ESPN, ESPN has Colts minus one and a half. They have Indy minus one and a half right now. That's oh. a surprise. That is very surprising. I will, I will double check this. 
I will double check this, but I'm pretty sure that the Colts are favored. Okay. Is Indy at home? At... Yeah, yes. I, it's showing Indy one and a half. Yeah. So technically so... the Titans are underdogs <laughs> by being five. What a, what a lame underdog pick. Whatever. Well, what do you mean lame underdog pick? I'm giving <laughs> what I'm giving. You're the one who tries to like three-dimensional chess the picks every week. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go with Carson Wentz. And like, all the, you know, like you're the one who tries to do this stuff instead of taking like the Rams or in over the Texans and stuff. So. Hey, I, I've I've learned my lesson, and you left me one of the gimmies, which I'm surprised you didn't take. I'm taking the Chiefs over the Giants as as one win. Um, that's I don't think that's that a one. gimme. I, I really don't think that's a gimme. You okay? Over the Giants? Come on, you guys. The Giants don't have. They're not gonna have Kenny Galladay. They're not gonna have Saquon, and they're not gonna have Kadarius Tony. Have you seen the Chiefs' defense? Like, I mean, I don't know. They have Sterling Shepard. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, listen, I I love Devontae Booker, former Utah legend, but come on. Yeah, I will say Utah ten, players in this I don't think that's a game. 10 points is a lot. That's what they're favored on, at least on Yahoo. So, but I, mm. I think the Chiefs will win. I think, like, I, they probably win. It's the Giants. Like, come on. Um, Speaking of the Giants, go get my guy, Austin Johnson. Free him. You know, leading the league in, in run stops, and you, my guy, on the Chargers. Um, all right, other pick. I'm gonna go upset pick Vikings over the Cowboys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think this is a really interesting one. It's uh, at least on Yahoo. The Vi- the Cowboys are favored by two and a half. Games in Minnesota. You never really know that Kirk Cousins is is essentially like <laughs> Philip Rivers 2.0. They're always in these games, um, and so I just I don't know. I think that's a good upset pick um last pick outright um and some of these picks are just brutal um i'll i'll take the atlanta falcons over the carolina panthers as my last one good god (laughs) God, you're right it's just the panthers (laughs) are a mess like i mean you have sam dartle who was benched last time so i mean the falcons are kind of figuring it out i mean they're they're really using kyle pitts as a receiver right now which has been really fun to see uh except for tyler's fantasy team which i think i you know i think i have to play tyler in the next next couple weeks but um yeah so that's that's gonna be my last one falcons over panthers what a week you don't gotta play me because i already whooped you (laughs) (laughs) honestly so weird i you know whatever <laughs> my my team's down in the dumps right now it's super frustrating but i'll have some good keepers um so we have another super chat question from nb talent how can the chargers improve their screen game it seems like they can't get that going at all it's been weird because i feel like the chargers have always been a really good screen team like regardless of who's coaching them and the mm-hmm. saints like they're a great screen team like alvin Kamara is awesome after the catch and the Chargers have had some moments like they had that one really great screen against the Browns on like Michael Schofield's third play. I think it was where Eckler went for like 30 yards. They've done some really good things with Donald Parham after the catch, I feel like. But I don't know. I'll have to look into that one for envy. I'll look into that. I would say just try to connect more deep shots. I mean, like, again, I go back to first down because that's all I've been studying for the last two weeks. They only have five screen passes on first down. I don't know what the average usually is, but it seems like the teams that are good against defending those, which were the Ravens, where they had four of their five screen passes in the last four weeks, like the defense was just sitting there ready to go and they could just play forward, play aggressive, get them on their heels a little bit and then try some of those screens as well. Yeah, I, I think. mean, I, yeah, no, I agree. I, I think the screen game would be much more effective if 
the deep shots they were taking were also effective, but like I don't think opposing defenses like really respect that yet uh, a lot because they are going for some of the screen action really early in games as part of this like sort of Lombardi feeling out process. So I don't know if there's a way you get it going. Um, I will tell you that the screen game might not go if Austin Eckler can't go. Um, that would be really unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's really, but I think it is like Tyler said, uh, if you get the deep shots going, if you get the long game going, then, you know, the intermediate stuff becomes a lot more easy. Yeah. And I think a lot of that too, is you, you have to get the run game going too. Like, I mean, it's multiple parts, right? Because you have to respect as a defense, if you see screen action, it usually comes after like running the ball. Like it's a play action pass essentially. So. Uh, I think you got to get the run game going too. Um, all right, let's uh, get to our predictions for this game. Tyler, we'll start with you. Uh, who do you have winning this one and what is the score? Yeah, very close game no matter what. I can't sit here and pretend like I think the Chargers are really going to put up a lot of points, but I also can't pretend like this team, if healthy on defense, can't stop the the Patriots, even in the run game. I don't think they'll score a ton. So, Eckler does change things. I reserve the right to change it. Um, but for right now, I'm going with the Chargers winning, breaking some history, finally winning 23-20. to 20. I do think it'll be kind of low, especially if Eckler is, let's say, like 75%. So I'll go with 23-20 in a close game. Go Chargers. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah. Um, I'll go with uh, Chargers 27, Patriots 23. Uh, I think that they get the win here, but like Tyler said, I reserve the the right to change this if, you know, in the event that Justin Jones and Austin Eckler are both inactive, uh, because that that would change things pretty drastically. Um, You know, I think that they definitely have a chance to sort of have a game like they, they did last year, particularly on the ground against the Chargers. Like that is the really concerning thing. Mm -hmm. But I think how the Patriots are built now isn't really to do that. And I don't think the Chargers are in as disastrous a position as they were on both like special teams and defense just completely collapsing last year. Um, I don't think that's going to happen this time around. Uh, I also think that towards the beginning of that game, Cam Newton particularly gave them a lot of trouble, you know, just with his legs and all the running he was doing early on. Mac Jones does not have that ability. So, you know, he's going to have to kind of beat you through the air in that regard. um, In addition to what Damian Harris and those guys are going to do on the ground. So uh, I think it'll be a close game, but to me, this Chargers team is just more talented. And obviously like Bill Belichick can scheme around that and take guys out here and there. But I think this is a very different ball game than, you know, the schlock we unfortunately got <laughs> last year that pretty much ended the whole Anthony Lynn era. So uh, mm, I, yeah. I think it's a very close game. Uh, I think it could swing either way based on if you tell me an injury here or there, uh, that, that certainly would change things. But for the moment, I do have the Chargers winning 27-23. Yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic, right? Because, you know, you get destroyed by the Patriots at home. But that also kind of catapults your four-game win streak to close the season. And now you have a chance to bounce back from a blowout to get a mm. win against the Patriots who start you know, your uh, potential win streak. So a little bit of an, an interesting game mm-hmm. for sure. But I, I do agree. I think this game is going to be close. You know, five and a half for the Chargers seems like a lot to me. Um, and, and like you guys are saying, I think if Austin Eckler is not playing, 
and that has you know a, a big difference in this outcome. So I think it's going to be close. I think the Patriots will will, will cover against the the spread. Um, I think the Chargers will win twenty four to twenty. Um, you know, I think we'll see uh, Dustin Hopkins get in on some action. We'll see Nick Folk have a couple field goals too. So going to be a, a, a kicker day if you're into kickers. I guess this will be a fun matchup. Um, but I do think that this, you know, the Patriots offense is, is kind of built to bleed the clock at this point. You know, it's all about mm. the chunk, the small chunk plays, you know, death by a thousand cuts. And so I think we'll see a low scoring affair. Um, but I think the Chargers have just enough on offense uh, with Mike Williams and Austin Eckler, if he plays, uh, to get the job done. Dustin Hopkins and Nick Falk getting in on the action has to be one of the funnier sentences <laughs> said on this podcast. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Um, all right. So we'll, uh, if you guys have any questions, please type them in the chat. Uh, Drop your questions it. and your and, super uh, chats. Yeah. So. Um, other than that, if you guys don't have questions, then we'll we'll do some final thoughts. So um, last call for questions here. This comes from Super LT 101. Uh, why do I feel like Staley stunted more last year with the Rams than he has with us so far? I know Stephen was talking about this earlier in the show. I think that's an accurate statement. You know, I, I think it's different, right? Because you have an interior pass rusher versus Bosa, your exterior pass rusher. But it is, like I had said, it's been a little bit of a surprise that they haven't used, you know, stunts and seemingly pressures as much as they did with the Rams because that was how they freed up Aaron Donald for so many one-on-ones last year. And they Mm -hmm. haven't really done that with Joey Bosa yet. Maybe that's kind of, you know, waiting to get guys more comfortable in the scheme. I don't really know. Like, they're doing it, but they're just not doing it at the same kind of level that they did with – or that Staley did, rather, with the Rams. Yeah. I would say just, I think, if you're comparing the two, like Floyd's better than the two other edge rushers they have right now. Donald is yeah. technically better than Joey Bosa. And at least 2020 Brockers was better than Jerry Tillery, I think, right now. So you do yeah. have more options to do more things with better players. Yeah, 2021 Michael Brockers is not doing so hot. But 2020 Michael Brockers <laughs> was, was doing really good. And I, I think that's kind of something that, you know, me personally, I kind of overlooked with, you know, like the Rams comparison to the Chargers comparison. Is like mm-hmm. you know, of course you have you know the Bosa and Derwin who are on the same level as as Donald and and Ramsey, but the Chargers don't have a Brockers and the Chargers don't have a Sebastian Joseph Day who's like leading the league in, in run stops right now. They didn't have a Leonard Floyd, so it was a lot of like you hope the you hope the players that the Chargers have can become those guys, but mm-hmm. kind of looking back on it, I should have given more, I guess, credit to you know the Brockers, the, the Joseph Days, yeah. and the Leonard Floyds when talking about, you know, like the Rams success last year. We hit us with another super chat, uh, another prediction for an Andre Roberts return for a touchdown, which would, you know, invoke the statue uh, that we talked about being built. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, do, do you think we'll see him break off a big return in this one? It wouldn't uh, surprise no. me, but I, I think we see him kind of take a little bit to get acclimated to things. Um, but I mean, he certainly has the talent to, to bust a big play at any time, but, um, just be a little above average and I'll be happy. They get to the 17 and it's improvement. So you <laughs> that, I'm happy. um, from Chris, do you think we'll see a Palmer TD? I would love to see him get in on the action. And I think Palmer would like to see himself get in on the action too, considering the events of 
Humphrey mania uh, when Justin Herbert threw that pass. So uh, I, I think he would like to get back in on it too. Yeah, it's been a, a little confusing to see how just kind of like the lack of usage for Guyton and Palmer. Like it, it, the offense has mostly been working right, but you know I, I think eventually they're going to have to count on some other guys to you know, because you can really double team Keenan and Mike Williams pretty much at will because Guyton and Palmer are not getting the job done right now. As far as yeah, as far as touchdown goes, the next thing. So I'm I'm charting fourth downs right now. The next thing I'll do is goal to go situations. I just don't know how, I mean, Palmer's not stretching the field. He's not the guy that's going to get some sort of big 25-yard touch, I don't think, unless they change things, of course. So I think it's more of a goal-to-go situation. I don't know how often they've been using him down there. Um, if How often are they down there? I don't know. Um, so maybe that's where he gets one. I just, I don't see it, because right now he's just kind of a hitch guy. Yeah, would love to see some more diversity there. Um, Todd Miller, friend of the show, my first game at SoFi, how early should I get there? Any tips for the first timer? Uh, Tyler, I'll let you answer that one first. It depends on what you want to do. I imagine yeah. you're going to spend 30 minutes just taking pictures of yourself and of the stadium um, because it's it's amazing. You're going to want to take some time to be a tourist first. If you want to see Thunder Alley, so the game's at 1 or one twenty-five or whatever, I think Thunder Alley wraps up around 11, 11.30. So if you want to go there, and, and hang out with all the Chargers fans, get there like 10, 10.30. Um, even if you're trying to stop by, I think 10.30 would be good. So first time, two, three hours, three hours if you want to really be relaxed. And there's no point in getting the game, being stressed, running in, not getting the pictures. Just take your time. Three hours early is totally fine. Yeah, I would agree with that too. You know, you, you want to take some time to you know, like see everything outside, go to the team store, walk around. Like the mm -hmm. whole thing is just, it's such a spectacle. Um, you want to get to your seats early, watch the warm up stuff. It's, it's really like a, you know, a crazy action. If you're going to Thunder Alley, it looks like he is going to do that. Then nice. obviously the earlier, the better, you know, I, I, uh, I think if you're going, if you're into the tailgating scene, then get there as early as possible because I think, um, you know, Thunder Alley guys do a, a fantastic job of, of putting on a good show and, uh, mm -hmm. And good, good friend of the show, Rike, is going to be apparently bartending and DJing uh, at the Die Hard Bolt Club tent. So definitely go check him out. Okay, 5 a.m. Got it. 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the early. Good, I think people get there at like 7 a.m. Though I think like the the big time tailgaters get there at like 7 a.m. Yeah, check when it actually opens. Don't actually get there at five. It just, just be you and the rest of Inglewood <laughs> at 5 a.m. Like whatever you want to do, go for it. But yeah, I would I would check to see when they open. Yeah. Um, not sure if you have parking pass though. Um, if you don't definitely get one cause it, it helps for sure. Um, try to get the purple lot, which is where Tyler has usually parked or the orange lot, uh, which is where I have usually parked and I've had, I didn't have any issues last time we went with the orange lot. Mm -hmm. It was fantastic. So, um, definitely get a parking pass. Um, all right. looks like we don't have many other questions. So Tyler, uh, final thoughts on the game and then Alex and then we'll uh, we'll head out. Even though I feel like the franchise has been changed, I feel like this win is at least a, a stamp of, yes, this franchise has officially changed. I know the Patriots aren't what they used to be, but it's just been a thorn in their side, a monkey on their back, something they can't do. And so beating this team, I really think, shows you that this staff and this quarterback, it's going to be different for sure moving forward. So if they win, I think it would be pretty good signs moving forward i think um 
your interview, I can't remember his name, but your interview with the Patriots, uh, the guy who covers the Patriots, he basically said, if they don't win on Sunday, if the Chargers don't win, don't even care about the playoffs. Like if you can't beat the Patriots right now at home, then just ignore the playoffs and get ready for next year. So they need to win this game for sure. If they don't, I have serious questions about the rest of the year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I would just say, like, don't sleep on this game um, because I think this is going yeah. to be a difficult yes. game. Uh, and, you know, when, when the Chargers were, you know, uh, the Icarus who got too close to the sun when they were 4-1 and one heading into the Ravens game, I remember a lot of y'all uh, could chirping at me when I picked against the Chargers in that one. So, uh, you know, I think you just got to kind of go into this one and, you know, be cautiously optimistic. Like, this still is a good Patriots team, even without Tom Brady there. They have Mac Jones. You still have Bill Belichick. Like, the, this is a talented team. Uh, even if I don't believe they're as talented as the Chargers, they can steal a game. And I, I do believe they are capable of it. Um, so I would just say don't sleep on the Pats, but I do think the Chargers will win. Hope they win. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I would like to have a win going into uh, the game in which the Chargers will just beat the shit out of the Eagles and get the six and two. <laughs> that would be really fun. Uh, so uh, hope for the best for this one, and also an honorary fuck Boston. <laughs> The hatred for Boston. I love it. Can you do it with um, like a really like Philly accent though? Yeah, yeah. Let's get the Philly accent. Fuck Boston. <laughs> <laughs> that was the exact same. Oh, okay. Overweight. Got it. Overweight, not a breath. Got I, I, it. I don't really That's have funny. an accent. I uh, I, yeah, I don't know. It's challenging. Yeah. You do have an accent because sometimes I'll say because, like you say because. Well, I have like the Jersey Philly speech tendencies, but I don't have like the Philly like sports radio guy kind of voice. I mean, that's that's like a different kind of like, hey, Angelo, uh, talk about how the Eagles are going to do this week. Sirianni's a fucking stupid ass. (laughs) Like, I mean, that's kind of something, but that's sort of a a mix because I grew up between New York and Philly. So that's like sort of a mix between those two sports radio stations. Uh, it's all mad, but uh, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah. Well done. Well done. Um, yeah, I agree. This is, you know, kind of a put up or shut up game for the chargers. You know, we've been tuning their horn pretty heavily over the first six weeks and they have exceeded expectations for us at least. And mm-hmm. this is a game that they should win. It's going to be a tough one, right? Like the Patriots, their three wins have come against bad teams, but they have played the Cowboys tough. They've played the Buccaneers tough. And they're a good football team. I don't know if they have, mm-hmm. you know, like the star power and in, in to, you know, win games consistently at a high level, but it, they're a tough out. And this is going to be a tough physical mm-hmm. matchup. We know that the Patriots are going to run the ball. We know that their offensive line is really good. We know the defensive line is really good. The linebackers are really solid. So this is going to be a tough physical game. And this is going to be a, a great opportunity for the Chargers to show people that they are legit. You know, everybody had them from, like fourth in power rankings to 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, Justin Herbert's Mm -hmm. MVP odds took a massive dive after losing to the Ravens. This is a great opportunity to bounce back and show people that you are legitimate. And like Alex said, get some momentum uh, going into Philadelphia next week in a much easier uh, matchup. But, you know, I I think the chargers will win. Hopefully Austin Eckler is is healthy and Justin Jones too, and not Andrew Tranquil. It'll certainly make things a little bit less stressful. Uh, but I am expecting the Chargers to uh, show people that they are legit. You know, this is a great opportunity for them, and uh, can't wait to see it. All right, guys, that's been uh, that's been our show today. We're going to do 
our live Q and a on Saturday uh, proceeds from that one will go to helping out our friend, Anthony Hopper, who's been supporting the show uh, for a long time, going through a bit of a difficult stretch with his family. So please check that out. And uh, on Saturday and uh, bring some super chat questions that day. We'll be, we'll be uh, very appreciative of that one. So that's going to do it for us today. We will see you on Saturday and uh, bolt up. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.